ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with kitab at-tawhid we were on the chapter which was discussing the details regarding the da'wah to Tawheed, calling the people to the testimony of Tawheed, of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and in abandoning the worship of anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we mentioned the ayah, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرَةِ Say that this is my path, and I call to Allah upon insight. And this ayah, it indicated that the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one path, and that is the path of Tawheed, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Messenger of Allah sallallahu to say that this is my path that I call to, and I call to it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely, calling the people to Tawheed, and that I do that ala basira, upon insight and upon knowledge. That giving this da'wah, it is not done upon ignorance, it is not done upon a lack of knowing or having understanding of the religion. Then after that now we have the narration of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, lamma ba'atha mu'adhan ila al-yaman, قَالَ لَهُ إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلُ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةً أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ In this hadith, Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما mentions that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sent one of the companions to go to Yemen. And in fact it was Mu'adh ibn Jabal رضي الله عنه and along with him, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu too. They were both sent. Mu'adh ibn Jabal was sent to Sana'a, and Abu Musa was sent to Adn. So in this narration it mentions that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he explained certain things to him before he sent him. And this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ, that he would educate the companions and explain to them that which they required to know. Particularly if they were going to be sent to another location, to another area, as a judge in that area, as a person who would educate the people in that area, which the Prophet ﷺ would do. He would send the companions to go to various places as judges and as teachers, so on this occasion, he was sending Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu to Yemen. So he said to him, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ He said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, you will come to the people of the book. You will find there the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians. Because it was known that Yemen at that time, it had a lot from the people of the book living there. There was a lot from the people of the book living in that area 
of the uh, Yemen. So this occurred approximately in the 10th year of Hijrah, or at the end of the 9th year of Hijrah. This occurred at the 10th year of Hijrah, or in the 9th year of Hijrah, at the end of it. So this sending of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiallahu anhu, was at the end of the lifetime of the Prophet wasallam. So he told him that you will find there the people of the book. Why did the Prophet ﷺ tell Mu'adh ibn Jabal before sending him there, that when you get there, you will find that there are people of the book, Jews and Christians living in that area. This was in order for Mu'adh ibn Jabal to have an awareness and an understanding of who the people were that he would be giving da'wah to. And that we mentioned last time, ala basira, giving da'wah upon insight. One of the characteristics of that is to have knowledge of who it is you are giving da'wah to. To have an understanding of the level of the people and the background of the people so that you know how to give them da'wah and what to focus on and in which way to give them da'wah. Because depending on their backgrounds, maybe they have certain doubts that they've been raised up upon. Maybe they have certain understandings from that particular area. So by knowing that and having that background, you are able to give them da'wah in a much more precise manner to deal with their doubts so that they can overcome those uh, doubts of theirs. So here the Prophet ﷺ told Mu'adh ibn Jabal that they are people of the book so that Mu'adh ibn Jabal would be aware of that and he would know that these are not people who are atheists, they are people who had books revealed to them previously, they had the Injil, the Christians, the Bible, they had the Torah, the Jews, they had books revealed to them from Allah, and they were the books of Allah too, but they were distorted, and they were changed, and they were altered. So these were people who had been given books, revelation from Allah previously. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal would be aware of that. He would be aware of their background, that they had previously books, revelations given to them. Tawrat that was given to Musa alayhi salam, and Injil that was given to Isa alayhi salam. Yet afterwards, as we know, they distorted and they altered those books and they did not remain upon their original state. So we understand from this from the beginning that it is upon the person giving da'wah to have an understanding of who he is giving da'wah to in order that he can then make his da'wah more precise to the needs of the people. He can give the da'wah at a level that is understood by them. He can give the da'wah in a way that eradicates and deals with the doubts that they may have, knowing what background they have come from. So here that was the intent and the purpose of allowing Mu'adh ibn Jabal to have that information regarding the people that he was going to encounter when he went to Yemen. So then the Prophet ﷺ, after telling him who it was that he would be encountering when he gets there, the Prophet ﷺ then told him how to give that da'wah. 
or rather what to begin with. The Prophet ﷺ then told Mu'adh ibn Jabal what to begin with when giving da'wah to those people. When inviting them to Islam, the Prophet ﷺ told Mu'adh ibn Jabal what to begin with. This is important because it then shows to us what we should begin with when we give da'wah. Because here you have an example of the Prophet ﷺ telling one of the companions exactly what they need to begin with. So for us now, we follow in those footsteps. And if we are giving da'wah and we're calling to this religion, then we similarly should abide by the same advice and call to the same way and begin with the same things that the Prophet ﷺ advised Mu'adh ibn Jabal to begin with. So what was the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ told Mu'adh ibn Jabal to begin with when he calls those people to Islam? He said, فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلُ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةَ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Make the first thing that you call them to, the first thing that you tell them about, make that be the shahada. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ That there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. And that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. He told him, begin with that first. Begin with Tawheed first. That they must accept that there is no other deity that they are allowed to worship. There is no other deity that is permissible for them to worship. They must abandon and stop worshipping all of their other deities and gods. They must stop believing in the falsehood that they believe in regarding Allah having a son or other beliefs of that false nature. So the very first thing the Prophet ﷺ told Mu'adh ibn Jabal to begin with is the most important thing, the Tawheed. هَذَا فِيهِ التَّدَرُّجْ فِي الدَّعْوَةِ This indicates that a person must begin giving da'wah in a step-by-step manner. Beginning with the most important affairs, then building on that with the next step, then building with that on the next step. But to begin with the most important and the core aspect of the religion, and then to build step by step, level by level on top of that. So here Mu'adh ibn Jabal was told to do exactly that. وَأَنَّهُ يَبْدَأُ بِالْأَهَمْ فَالْمُهِمْ بِالْأَهَمْ فَالْأَهَمْ That he begins with the most important thing, then the affairs that are of importance after that. وَهَذِهِ طَرِيقَةُ الرُّسُلِ This is the way of the messengers. This is indeed the way of the messengers in giving da'wah. That they begin with the core, the tawheed. Then after that, they move on to the affairs beyond that. أَنَّهُمْ أَوَّلَ مَا يَبْدَأُونَ بِالدَّعْوَةِ إِلَى شَهَادَةِ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ that when the prophets and messengers used to begin giving da'wah, the first thing they would begin with was calling to tawheed, calling to the shahada, La ilaha illallah. As Shaykh al-Fawzan, he says, فَإِنَّهُ يُمْكِنُ الْبِنَاءَ عَلَيْهَا بِالْأُمُورِ الْأُخْرَى Because then it is possible for you to build onto that with the other affairs of the religion. أَمَّا إِذَا لَمْ تُحَقِّقْ شَهَادَةً لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَلَا فَائِدَةَ مِنْ بَقِيَةِ الْأُمُورِ 
فَلَا تَأْمُرُ النَّاسَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَعِنْدَهُمْ شِرْكِ As for if you do not establish that tawheed, then it is not of benefit to be telling the people of the other affairs. You go to a group of people who are not Muslims, and if you do not establish the tawheed as the core of the da'wah with them, then there is little point in telling them that you must pray. Even if they pray, if the tawheed is not agreed upon and established with them, then their prayer will not count anyway. So here, it, the core, the tawheed must be built, and then you build the affairs on top of that. So the shaykh says, nowadays many people, they oppose this methodology. Many people, they oppose this methodology of the prophets in giving da'wah. Nowadays people, what do they call to when they give lectures, when they give talks? It's all about stopping doing certain sins. They say don't take interest in the banks, don't steal, don't drink alcohol. They talk about the different sins that you must pray, you must give zakat, you must do hajj. And it's good, all of that is good. But they forget that the basis of the da'wah that they need to tell the people about is tawheed. The basis that they are going to build their religion upon, build their religion upon in terms of leaving the sins and abandoning the sins and practicing the religion, is going to be upon the basis of Tawheed. But many of the speakers now, the Shaykh says, they forget that. And they do not build this basis with the people. Instead, they go to the alternative affairs before they have even built that foundation. And as we see from the way of the Prophets and Messengers, Indeed, they used to build that foundation of Tawheed. Allah said in the Qur'an, the ayah that we already covered, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ That indeed we sent to every nation a messenger, preaching what? Preaching, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and stay away from the false deities. That was the call of every prophet and every messenger. So in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the first thing you tell them when you get there, is about La ilaha illallah, about the shahada, about the tawheed. And in another narration it says, that the first thing you should call them to is, Ila an yuwahidullah, that they need to make the tawheed of Allah. In another narration, that's the wording which is used in the hadith. That the first thing you should call them to is the fact that they need to make the tawheed of Allah. They need to direct every aspect of their worship to Allah. And they need to abandon redirecting any aspect of worship to other than Allah. Then the Prophet ﷺ says, فَإِنْ هُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ If they obey you in that. If they agree to that and they obey you in that, they agree to the shahada, they agree to tawheed, then after that, فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ Then tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made five prayers obligatory upon them every day and every night. In every day and night, in every 24 hours, that there are five prayers that Allah has made obligatory upon them. And those five prayers of course are Salatul Fajr and Salatul Dhuhr and Salatul Asr, Salatul Maghrib and Salatul Isha. 
Tell them if they accept Tawheed, then move on to the next stage and tell them that Allah has made it obligatory upon them to pray five prayers every day. And that is an obligation upon every individual. That is an obligation that does not become excused at all. The obligation of the prayer is such that it does not become excused. If you think about the five pillars of Islam, the top pillar of Islam which is the shahada, the tawheed, that is with a person throughout your lifetime, every moment of your life. There is never a moment in your life which you can say that you are separate from that first pillar of tawheed. It is not possible. You are always upon that first pillar, tawheed and the shahada. You cannot separate yourself from that. So that is something constant throughout the shahada. If you go to the other end, the bottom one, hajj, that is only with you how often? Once in your lifetime is the obligation. Only once in your lifetime that is with you as an obligation. The zakat, only once in the year if you have the amount of money that it necessitates. Once in the year, when the year goes by upon your money, if you have the amount that requires for your wealth to take the zakat from it. Ramadan, fasting, obligatory fasting. Again, only once in the year, obligatory. But when you come to the prayer, not once in the lifetime, not once in the year, not even once in a month or once in a day, it is actually five times every single day. That shows to you the level of importance of the prayer. It shows to you the value, the station, the rank of the prayer. That it is something five times every day. And it is not something which can be excused. In the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, صَلِّ قَائِمًا Pray standing up. فَإِن لَمْ فَقَاعِدًا If you can't do that, if you're not able to stand and pray, you have some problem, some illness, some injury, you're not able to stand and pray, then there's no excuse. It's not an excuse to say, okay, I can't pray, then I have to miss. The Prophet ﷺ said, فَصَلِّ قَاعِدًا Then in that case, sit down and pray. Sit down and pray if you can't stand up and pray. Not an excuse to say, I'm not going to pray then. And even if you can't sit down and pray, your illness is so severe, or your disability is severe, that you're not even able to sit and pray, still it's not an excuse for somebody to say, in that case, I'll just have to miss the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said, فَصَلِّ عَلَى Pray lying down. If you can't even remove yourself from the bed, from the injury or from the affair of your illness, then even when you're lying down and pray, to the extent that even if a person was paralyzed, they're not able to move any part of their body, paralyzed from the neck down, then it is still not an excuse for them to miss the prayer. They still pray and they pray with the movement of their eyes. That is the seriousness of the prayer. On the day of judgment, a person will be asked firstly about the prayer. The first thing that a person will be asked about on the day of judgment is his prayer. Had he kept up his five prayers and prayed them on the times. Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّ صَلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا 
that the prayer is something established upon the believers in those in those uh, fixed times, the fixed times of the day. And the Prophet ﷺ said in a narration, إِنَّ الْأَحْدَ الَّذِي بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَهُمُ الصَّلَاةِ فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرُ That the covenant between us and them is the prayer. So whomsoever abandons it, then he has disbelieved. He has committed an act of shirk. So this is of severe importance to such a degree that there is a debate between the scholars whether a person becomes a kafir if he leaves the prayer. So we understand the severity of this affair, the prayer and its importance. So the Prophet ﷺ said after the tawheed, make sure the first thing then you tell them about is the prayer. فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلًا Then tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory upon them five prayers in every day and night. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنْ هُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ That if they obey you in that, they obey you in the tawheed, they obey you with regards to the prayer, then after that, فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَدَقَةٌ تُؤْخَذُ مِنْ أَغْنِيَائِهِمْ فَتُرَدُّ عَلَى فُقَرَائِهِمْ that Allah has made obligatory upon you a sadaqah, a charity, meaning the zakat, the zakat, and it is taken from the rich, and it is returned and given back to the poor. And so the zakat, it is known that if a person has the appropriate level of wealth, and he has that wealth for a year, then after that time it becomes an obligation upon him, to take out the zakat from that money and to give to the poor and the needy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an the eight categories of types of people who the zakat can be given to. Then the Prophet ﷺ also mentioned, فَإِنْ هُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ That if they obey you in that, they obey you in accepting the zakat as well, فَإِيَّاكَ وَكَرَائِمَ أَمْوَالِهِمْ Then be warned from the best of their wealth. When you take the zakat, don't take the best of their wealth. Zakat, of course, it is not just in your money. Many people are used to the zakat only being in your money that you have. Rather, zakat is in many affairs. Zakat is in many different types of affairs. Zakat is upon the cattle and the sheep, etc. that you have. There are various things that zakat is applicable to. So here the Prophet ﷺ said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, be warned from taking their best wealth. When it comes to zakat, don't take the best of their wealth, rather take the middle level of their wealth. Not the bad parts of their wealth, or the excellent best parts of their wealth, but the middle parts of their wealth, the middle level, the middle type of wealth that they have, as for their zakat to be given. So... The Prophet ﷺ warned Mu'adh ibn Jabal from that, not to take their most precious items. Rather the zakat is a fixed amount, so take the middle types of things that they have and give that in the zakat. وَاتَّقِي دَعْوَةَ الْمَظْلُومِ And be warned from the dua of the oppressed one. Be warned from the dua of the oppressed one. The one who is oppressed, then if he makes a dua, he makes 
uh, a supplication, then the Prophet ﷺ says in this narration, فَإِنَّهُ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ حِجَابٌ That there is nothing between him, uh, between the dua that he makes, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a barrier, there is no barrier. That this dua, it will be answered. That this is one of the types of dua that is answered. And there is no barrier preventing that between the person making the dua and the person, uh, where, and the dua, and between the dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Between the dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that there is no barrier between that. There is no barrier for the one who is oppressed, the one who is wronged, the one who has had some evil done to him. That even the scholars say counts for the disbelievers. Even a disbeliever, if he is not Muslim, he is oppressed and he makes a supplication to Allah, then it's possible it could be answered. It's possible for that to be answered too. So here this narration highlights that it is severe to oppress someone. It is severe to oppress someone, severe to wrong someone, and that the one who is wronged and oppressed, if he makes dua to Allah, then there is no barrier between his dua and the dua reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the narration regarding Mu'adh ibn Jabal, and what the Prophet ﷺ informed Mu'adh ibn Jabal of, how to begin the da'wah, what to begin with initially, to begin with the tawheed, if they agree to that, then the prayer, if they agree to that, then the zakat, and of course the other are not mentioned here, Ramadan and Hajj, but they follow from that too, they follow on from that too, the other pillars of Islam. So that is that first narration. We'll uh, take a break for Maghrib prayer. They're praying downstairs. So inshallah ta'ala we can pray downstairs. And we'll come back and we can do one more hadith before completing inshallah. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. So continuing from that chapter regarding giving da'wah to la ilaha illallah, calling the people to tawheed. Here is another example now in the next hadith, which is the hadith of Sahel ibn Sa'ad رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قام يوم خيبر. In this hadith, which is also in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, it is mentioned that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam qala yawma khaybar, that he said on the day of Khaybar. Khaybar, that was an area that was known for greenness, vegetation, it was lush, it was an area that was known for those reasons, an agricultural type of area, and it was a residence of the Jews at that time. So, on the moment or at the point of when a battle was to occur between the Muslims and the residents of Khaybar at that time, the Prophet ﷺ said to the Muslims, prior to any occurrence, لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةَ غَدًا رَجُلًا يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That I will give tomorrow the flag of the army, 
to a man who loves Allah and his messenger, and Allah and his messenger love him. يَفْتَحُ اللَّهُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give the conquering through that person. That person will be given the flag of the army, he will take the army with him, and Allah will give the conquering of Khaybar via that man. فَبَاتَ النَّاسُ يَدُوكُونَ لَيْلَتَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ يَعْطَاهَا So all of the people that night, that night they were discussing, who will it be that the Prophet ﷺ gives the flag of the army to? Who will it be that the Prophet ﷺ gives the flag to? And all of them, they wanted to be given the flag. They wanted to be given the flag, but why? It was not because they wanted leadership. It was not because they wanted authority. It was not because of even the conquering itself. It was actually due to another reason that everybody wanted to be chosen for the flag. And that reason was because the Prophet ﷺ had said regarding the description of the person who will be given the flag that he is somebody who loves Allah and His Messenger. The Prophet ﷺ testified to that whoever the flag is given to will be a person who loves Allah and His Messenger. But even more than that, he will be a person who Allah and His Messenger love. So they all wanted to be the person who Allah and the Messenger loved by testimony of the Prophet ﷺ that whomsoever is given the flag, then he is somebody who Allah loves. And he is somebody who the Messenger of Allah loves. So they all wanted to be that person. They all wanted to be the one who Allah and His Messenger loved. Even it's mentioned regarding Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. He said, مَا تَمَنَّيْتُ الْإِمَارَةِ إِلَّا هَذِهِ اللَّيْلَةِ He said, I never ever used to want to have leadership or authority or to be in charge ever. Except that night. That night he said, I did want to be given the flag too. Even though he says, normally I never ever wanted to be in charge, never ever wanted to be in authority, but that night I wanted to be given the flag too. Why? For that same reason. Because of the testimony of the Prophet ﷺ, that whoever is given the flag, then that is a person who Allah loves, and that is a person who the Messenger loves. So in the morning... That was in the night. In the morning then, فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحُوا غَدَوْ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم. In the morning then, they all went to the Prophet وسلم early. They went early in the morning to the Prophet وسلم. كُلُّهُمْ يَرْجُونِ يُعْطَاهَا All of them were hoping that he would be the one given the flag. فقال, so the Prophet وسلم said, أَيْنَ عَلِي بِنْ أَبِي طَالِبٍ where is Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu? Faqil, so it was said, huwa yashtaki aynay, that he has a complaint in his eyes, that he has some disease or illness in his eyes currently. He's not well with his eyes. Fa'arsalu ilayhi. So then they sent to get him. They sent to get him. 
فَأُتِيَ بِهِ So they brought him. They went and they got Ali ibn Abi Talib and they brought him. And you should bear in mind that this battle of Khaybar, when the Muslims left Medina to go towards Khaybar, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu had already got this disease in his eyes at that time. This illness in his eyes at that time. So initially he hadn't even left Medina. He had stayed behind because of this illness in his eyes. So he had stayed behind initially when the rest of the Muslims went towards Khaybar. But after a short while, after he was left behind and the others went, even with this illness in his eyes, he couldn't bear to be left behind. And all of the other Muslims have gone with the Prophet ﷺ. So it's mentioned even with the illness in his eyes, he went. He went and he caught up to them. So then they brought him. They brought him. And the Prophet ﷺ, it's mentioned in this authentic narration of Al-Bukhari and Muslim, فَبَسَقَ فِي عَيْنَيْهِ That he spittled, spittled a small amount of this spittle into the eyes of Ali ibn Abi Talib. He made a small spittle, a small amount of this spittle into the eyes of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And the Prophet made dua for him, for Ali ibn Abi Talib to be cured. So after that, Ali ibn Abi Talib, he was cured as if he had never had that illness in the first place, completely cured. And they say in the books of Sirah that Ali ibn Abi Talib never ever experienced any illness or problem with his eyes for the rest of his life. From the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, from the spittle of the Prophet ﷺ, from the miracles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed to occur. So that Ali ibn Abi Talib, he was cured from that. Then the Prophet ﷺ, فَأَعْطَاهُ الرَّايَةِ He gave the flag to him. To Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. And he said to him, and this is the point of this hadith now with regards to Tawheed and what we are saying. The Prophet ﷺ, when he gave him the flag of the army to go, and they were about to go into battle, he said to Ali ibn Abi Talib, Anfad ala rislik, hatta tanzala bisahatihim. Go slowly with the army, with the flag, go slowly until you come to their boundaries. Go slowly until you come to their land, until you come to their area. And when you get there, ثُمَّ دُعُهُمْ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ When you get there, the command was not attack and fire and arrows. The command was when you get there, the first thing, hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, اُدْعُهُمْ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ Call them to Islam first. Tell them and give them da'wah to tawheed first. Tell them about La ilaha illallah first. If they accept, alhamdulillah, the, uh, the issue is finished. If they accept, it's finished, nothing will happen. Alhamdulillah, it will be done before anything even starts. So, the Prophet said to Ali ibn Abi Talib, when you go, first call them to Islam. Call them to Tawheed. Invite them to the Shahada La ilaha illallah. وَأَخْبِرْهُمْ And tell them, بِمَا يَجِبُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ حَقِّ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فِيهِ Tell them what is obligatory upon them with regards to the rights of Allah in this tawheed, in this religion, the rights that are upon them. Tell them regarding those affairs. Then the Prophet ﷺ told Ali ibn Abi Talib, فَوَاللَّهِ الَّذِي أَوْ فَوَاللَّهِ 
لأن يهدي الله بك رجلا واحدا خير لك من حمر النعم That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to guide one person through you then that would be better for you than the red camels At that time the red camels were extremely precious The red camels They were extremely valuable and precious at that time So the Prophet ﷺ gave him this example That if one person is guided through you By the will of Allah through you One person is guided Then that is better for you than the red camels The most valuable and precious thing they had at that time Indicating how important it is to call the people to the religion To give the da'wah to the people If one person is guided through you by the will of Allah Then there is a great reward for you A great reward for the person who gives that da'wah to the people And calls them to the religion of Tawheed As opposed to the wasting time That you see from the people calling to demonstrations Calling to this, calling to that Calling to boycotting, calling to all types of things But not calling to Tawheed Here the Prophet tells Ali ibn Abi Talib If Allah guides one person through you That will be better for you than the red camels The most precious and valuable things at that time So this hadith again indicates to us The importance The great importance of giving da'wah to Tawheed That even at the time of battle Even at the time when this battle was about to occur The Prophet ﷺ told Ali ibn Abi Talib First thing Call them to La ilaha illallah Tell them about Tawheed first Give them the da'wah to Tawheed. Tell them the right of Allah upon them with regards to worshipping Him alone. Then after that, if they do not agree, the affair can be moved on and it can occur as it occurs. So again, this is a great narration telling us of the virtues of Tawheed and the virtue of calling to Tawheed and that it is better for you than the red camel, the most precious and valuable item they had at that time. So that again... Indicates very clearly that we need to give importance to Tawheed And we need to give importance to learning it And understanding it So that we may call our friends and families to it And our societies to it These narrations now highlight to us the methodology of a Muslim What the important things should be in his lifetime The important things that he should have in front of his eyes And that is the affair of Tawheed That is the affair of La ilaha illallah Learning it, understanding it, and calling to it. So that is where we'll conclude today then briefly. And we'll carry on next week with the next chapter. And very soon now, these introductory chapters are almost finished. Soon now, the chapters are going to come talking about the different types of things that can be shirk. And how you have to avoid them to stay on Tawheed. Things like amulets that people wear. And bracelets people wear. And all types of taweez that people wear. And magic and magician, all these things are going to come in these next chapters that are arriving soon, inshallah. So we'll carry on with that next week. Uh, what time next week? Maghrib will be what time next week? 7.50? So straight after Maghrib. Next week, straight after Maghrib, we'll start uh, maybe 8 o'clock or 5 past 8. As soon as the Maghrib prayer finishes, and we'll come up and we'll begin the lesson, inshallah. So that will be approximately quarter to eight Maghrib, so straight after that we'll begin.